Yeah. 
Let's worship him. But there is one more announcement as they're going out. I'll tell them camp registrations are due by May 31st. So young people, turn in your camp registration. Moms and dads, if you've got kids that are going to camp, get them turned in. And uh, so they don't have to pay a, a, a fee for being a late registration. They're going to have a great time uh, at youth camp. <clears throat> turn with me to the gospel of Mark, chapter number 1. Gospel of Mark, chapter number one. Been thinking about Mark, and and I was doing some reading and such, and and I thought, you know what, I may just, uh, if, if the Lord seems to be directing me this way, and we just, as it is with anything, we don't know how long we'll go down this road, but I just feel like preaching from the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings, and uh, we'll just call it Messages in Mark, all right? And uh, maybe it'll just be what the Lord has for us throughout these uh, spring and summer months. And uh, we'll see how far it goes. But we'll begin right in chapter number 1, verse number 1, here today. And uh, we'll, we'll read our text, and then we'll share what the Lord has for us here today. Praise God. Mark chapter 1, verse number 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold... I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea and they of Jerusalem and were all baptized of him in the river of Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of a skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We'll stop reading right there. Amen. This is uh, Mark's introduction to Jesus. Introducing us to Jesus. Let me say something about the Gospel of Mark in general. Then we'll share what we have uh, the Lord's put on our heart about uh, this morning here. But the Gospel of Mark is a book of action. It moves very quickly from scene to scene. And as you read it, you'll find it'll just go from one story to the next. Just kind of jumps right through. Uh, Mark wrote his gospel to the Gentiles and to maybe more specifically a Roman audience. To those uh, that were Christians in the city of Rome. And you'll find this, that each of the gospels has 
a different purpose in their writing. Even though they're very similar and, and at times can be even identical with each other, there is a purpose in the writing of each of these Gospels. And, and Mark wrote his Gospel to the Gentile reader, the Roman the uh, church and so forth. He doesn't include any genealogies. And there's very little mention of the Jewish law because that wasn't his audience that he was speaking to. And he portrays Jesus as the servant of God. The servant of God. And he records more miracles than any of the others. And he focuses in on the miracles and the works of Jesus Christ. So Mark's Excuse me. Mark's gospel is considered by most scholars to be the first gospel written. So of the four gospels, Mark's was the first one written. The author is Mark, or a man known as John Mark in the New Testament. Uh, he has a, uh, we see a story in the New Testament in different places. Uh, we know that the apostles gathered together in Mark's uh, mother's house for meetings. Many believe the upper room that is referenced is actually a room in Mark's mother's home. So he was around the apostles. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he was a young boy and certainly was around the disciples at this time. He was a traveler with Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey, but then ended up going back home too young for it. But at the end of Paul's missionary's uh, work, he says, send John Mark back to me. Now he's profitable for me. Amen. But Mark probably did most of his ministry training under a man named Peter. You've heard of Peter, right? Amen. Many believe that Mark was a student of Peter and that this gospel that was written was actually Mark telling Peter's story. In other words, Peter told of the things that Jesus did and the stories of Jesus and Mark wrote them down and recorded them and so forth. Uh, and so Mark records here, amen, Jesus as the servant of of God, the servant of God. Dr. Paul Reese says this the gospel is neither a discussion nor a debate, but it is an announcement. Amen. And we're going to start out today in our messages in Mark by saying to you, and our first message will be today introducing Jesus. Introducing Jesus. It was an announcement of who he was. It wasn't a debate about who he was. It was a declaration of who he is. We see Jesus introduced in the other Gospels, and we want to touch on that for just a moment. Amen. In different ways, Matthew wrote his Gospel primarily for a Jewish audience. And, uh, and therefore, he declares Jesus to be the Messiah, the Messiah that has long been told that would come throughout the Old Testament and the law. He opens his gospel with a genealogy, amen, to prove that Jesus is the rightful heir to the throne of David. And it was important for the Jewish community to see that Jesus was a descendant of David and therefore could be the Messiah and the coming king. Luke on the other hand, emphasizes the humanity of Jesus, declaring him to be the Son of Man. The Son of Man. And he introduces Jesus through his birth. And Luke gives us one of the most detailed accounts of the birth of Jesus and the setting of the day and the taxation that would take place under Caesar Augusta and so forth. And Luke shows him as the perfect baby who would grow up to be the perfect man. And his genealogy shows Jesus as a descendant from Adam, showing that he's part of the human race. He's the son of man. 
John, on the other hand, begins his gospel with a statement about eternity. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And John's uh, uh, purpose in writing his gospel was to show that Jesus is the Son of God. Matter of fact, the subject of his gospel is Jesus is the Son of God. And his, his purpose was written so that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and be saved. So every gospel writer has their purpose for writing because of the audience that they're trying to address. And Mark is writing to a Gentile audience, uh, a Roman audience uh, that has that kind of uh, mindset. And Mark reveals Jesus as a servant who comes to minister to the hurting world, who comes to die for a sinful people. And he emphasizes the activity of Jesus, moving from place to place, meeting physical needs and spiritual needs of the people. And that's what you find when you read the Gospel of Mark. Mark focuses on what Jesus did rather than what he said. You don't have too many sermons recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It's more about the miracles and the works and the things that he performed. It's not about his lineage. There's no genealogy. Amen. It's about his miracles. The reason why there's no account of his birth and the reason why there's no genealogies because people don't care where a servant comes from. People don't care. Amen. So Mark's not trying to impress the Romans because the Romans don't care if he's a descendant from David. The Jews cared that about that. They're the ones that was following for the Messiah. Amen. But the Gentiles and them need to see, amen, not that he's the son of God because of his birth, but that he's the son of God because of his works. Amen. That declare that he is the son of God. In Mark's gospel, one of his favorite words that are used, and he uses it over 40 times throughout the gospel, the Greek word eutheos, which is interpreted either straightway or immediately. You will see that words, those words appear in Mark's gospel over and over and over, straightway or immediately. Amen. They are used to describe different occasions. They describe the reaction of the disciples to the call of Jesus. Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. The Bible says, immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. That's how we're to respond, right? That's how we're to respond to the call of Jesus Christ. Immediate obedience is what he wants from us. It speaks of the response of Jesus to the needs of people. In stories such as Peter walking on the water and then begins to sink in the water. And the Bible says immediately Jesus stretches out his hand and takes Peter and catches him. Amen. And lifts him back up out of the water. Amen. Aren't you glad that when you are in that spot immediately... Amen. The hand of the Lord's there immediately to take hold of you. We sung those songs, hold on to me, don't let me go, take hold of me. I want you to know when you are sinking, he's there immediately. And the third way that it is used is the response of the hurting and uh, the, the, the oppressed and the possessed to the command of Jesus. And the Bible says things like this, immediately the fever was healed. Immediately, leprosy 
left. Immediately, blind eyes were open. Praise God. Immediately, the lame took up their bed and walked. And more importantly, to the focus of our discussion here today, immediately, devils departed. Amen. Showing Jesus having power. And when he speaks, disease goes. And devils go. And chains are broken. <clears throat> Amen. So let's look at what John has to say uh, about Jesus and what Mark records about Jesus here in the, the first chapters. He begins by talking about John and talking about John the Baptist, the messenger that would come. And it's, and it's important. Remember, Mark's gospel is the first gospel written. Up till now, it's been 400 years of silence. The last book written in the Old Testament is the book of Malachi. And from then until the time of Jesus is 400 years. 400 years, no books are written. 400 years, no prophets are speaking. 400 years, heaven is silent. Amen. All they have to go on is the last words of the book of Malachi. And how does Malachi end? If you're interested, come on Wednesday nights, we're talking about it. But I'll tell you a little bit of it anyway right now. Amen. Malachi says, but the day's coming. Amen. When the Messiah will come. And before he comes, God will send his messenger before him. And when he comes, he's going to come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Amen. So what does Mark do? Mark begins with a description of John the Baptist. How does he describe him? He describes him in the terms of of Elijah. If you're familiar with Elijah, Elijah was a rough man. He was kind of a man in the wilderness. He dressed in rough clothes, animal skins. Amen. A big hairy man, a big beard, just kind of eating the wild uh, uh, locusts and so forth. And what does he say about John the Baptist? Amen. He comes out of the wilderness. Amen. He's wearing camel hair. He's got a leather girdle. Praise God. He's got all the attributes of, of Elijah. Amen. And he comes to prepare the way of the Lord to make straight his paths. And John the Baptist comes upon the scene and he begins to preach. He says, there is coming a Messiah. There is coming somebody. Amen. In the fullness of time. Over 400 years of silence. Amen. But the drought has ended. And Jesus has arrived at the right time. And, I, and I'm hoping to pull all this together here at the end. Amen. At the right time when the world needed him most. Amen. When the world was in its darkest condition. Amen. Jesus Christ comes on the scene. In the right time it came to pass that Jesus came. Praise God. You know what? The Romans would understand this because Roman leaders, whenever they would travel from city to city, they would send an ambassador, an ambassage before them, amen, to announce their arrival. They would go into the city and they would prepare the city and they would prepare and clear the streets and they would say a great leader is coming so that this Gentile and Roman uh, uh, congregation and audience would understand when they said John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus makes straight his path, preaching repentance. He was the forerunner of Jesus. And when the world needed him most, Jesus came upon the scene. John says, He's mightier than I. Hey, Amen. He got more power than I do. 
Even though people were coming out of Judea and Jerusalem because of the message that John was preaching, they were being baptized in the water. And he said, but there's coming somebody who's even mightier than I am. He's got power over the devil. He's got power to heal the sick. He's got power to forgive sins. Matter of fact, I'm not even worthy to get down and unbuckle his shoes, to loose or untie his sandals. He's exalted. He's holy. Amen. He's sovereign. He's of a royal descent. He is the Son of God. Amen. John begins to describe Jesus. But I am captured by this one thing. Amen. That when John begins to introduce Jesus, and when Mark begins to introduce Jesus, what is it that they said? Look at verse number 8. He says, I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. When he introduced Jesus to the world, he introduced him as the baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. In the same manner that John would baptize people in water, Jesus was going to baptize people in the Holy Ghost. Amen. To be submerged in it. To be overwhelmed by it. To be overtaken by it. Glory to God. Amen. When he comes, amen, he's going to come in power. I've put you under the water for the remission of sins. But the one coming after me is mightier and he's greater and he's going to submerge you into something more powerful than the water. He's going to give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. First Mark describes his magnificence. Then Mark describes what Jesus is going to do. Baptized in the Holy Ghost. Isn't that interesting? Amen. Other, other uh, uh, gospels record John's statements. At one point John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world? And he is. Amen. But for for some reason, Mark doesn't record those words. Because Mark's going to have a different purpose here. Mark's going to show a different purpose right off the bat. See, Mark doesn't deny that he's the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb of God. He does take away the sins of the world. But Mark is putting an emphasis on the power of Jesus. Amen. Are you hearing me here today? The power of Jesus. The power to deliver. The power to heal. The power to break every chain. And Mark links this power with the Holy Ghost. Hear me here today. The power is linked with the Holy Ghost. There is no power but the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Amen. What Jesus did, He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise God. Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water. The Spirit descends on him like a dove. Amen. Showing the, the need of empowerment before ministry. Amen. And heavens are open. The Father says, this is my son. Amen. And then, amen, the work begins. Are you with me? Amen. Let us look now. It says in verse number, uh, verse number 12. And immediately... The Spirit driveth him in the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness forty days, tempted of Satan, was with the wild beast, and the angels ministered unto him. Amen. Immediately led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Amen. He was tempted by Satan and ministered 
two by angels. Uh, it's funny whenever this sermon's on my mind and so I'm paying attention uh, a little bit more to things maybe uh, as a result of two of the songs today we sung talked about the angels. Brother Jeff led a song and, and they said he's got his angels in heaven watching out over me. He's been good, right? And then they sang the song we're standing on holy ground and there are angels all around. How many are glad for the angelic presence of heaven? I want you to know angels are real. Amen. The power of God is real. Angels are real. Demons are real. And when the devil is there, I want you to know God is there. Amen. Either an angelic presence, certainly the presence of God, and the Holy Spirit is there. Amen. The first thing that Jesus did is went toe-to-toe with the devil. The first thing, and it's a theme that we're going to find here. Amen. As he went toe-to-toe with the devil. Immediately he went into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The devil tried to stop him. But Jesus overcame him. Amen. But Mark doesn't emphasize all of the temptation like Matthew does. Matthew goes into all the different temptations and Jesus used the word. Amen. Mark simply says the devil tried to tempt him. Amen. And Jesus overcame and enough said amen because he's trying to emphasize the power of God amen to do works and to overcome the devil let me continue to lay out Mark so it'll help us to understand what we're saying here after Jesus returns from the wilderness the next thing he does is he calls some of his disciples James, John, Peter, Andrew calls them to come follow him and then after that it says in verse number 21 And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, let us alone, and so forth. Isn't it interesting that as soon as he began his ministry, he had an encounter with the devil. And the very first work of Jesus that Mark records is the casting out of the devil. Before he healed the sick, raised any dead, or opened blind eyes, or anything else like that, the first work that he does, miraculous work that he does, is he delivers one from demonic power. Amen. In their synagogue was a man full of the devil. I want you to know the devil shows up everywhere. (laughs) Amen. If you don't think the devil goes to church, you're mistaken. The devil goes everywhere. Amen. You know what I'm realizing as I'm studying this? That there was a great demonic activity that was taking place when Jesus walked on the earth. There was. There was an increase in demonic activity. Think about this. In the Old Testament, leading up to this time, the one thing that we don't see the Bible talking about is demonic activity. There is certainly paganism, and there are certainly heathens, and there are certainly the devil working behind the scene. We understand all that, and, and, and false gods, and all these things. Amen. But the New Testament begins to put an emphasis on not only demonic activity, but the oppression of the devil upon people, the possession of the devil within people, how he torments them, how he throws them in the fire, how he throws them in the water, how he throws them down, how they abuse themselves and cuts themselves and and are uncontrollable. Are you with me? Amen. There appears to be at 
this day and in this hour an increase in demonic activity in the world. Amen. And the devil is raging and the church is unaware of it. In so much so that the devil possessed are in the synagogue and the people are either unaware or unconcerned about it and they are without power but thank God in the fullness of time. When the devil is raging at his greatest amen there came the son of God. When the devil was doing his greatest work amen there came the son of God. When the devil was destroying lives and tearing apart homes there came the son of God and he dressed the devil before he healed the sick before he preached sermons he walked into the wilderness stood toe to toe with the devil overcame him in temptation and then went to church oh yeah went to church because if anything's going to get straight it's got to start in the house of God and he walked into the synagogue and there was a man full of the devil and Jesus addressed him and said I command you to come out and he was delivered that day how did he do it? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is certainly an increased activity of the devil. Amen. That was used to show the power of Jesus over the devil. Matter of fact, let's look at this a little closer. How that even right in chapter number 1, Mark emphasizes Jesus' power Over the devil right from the start. Remember we're talking about introducing Jesus. So he's writing to us to show us who Jesus is. And the thing that he identifies the most. There are other things certainly. But the thing he identifies the most is he has power over the devil. Amen. Chapter 1. Verse 12 we already talked about. He was in the wilderness tempted of Satan. Verses 23 through 25, he goes to the, uh, the synagogue and there he sees a man with an unclean spirit. So that's the second encounter with the devil. Verse number 32, and at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. So that's the third encounter with the devil in chapter number 1. Verse number 39, and he preached in their synagogues. This is the second time preached in their synagogues throughout Galilee and cast out devils. So what do we see right off the bat? Four times the Lord encounters the devil. Four times he defeats the devil. Two of those times were in the church. Two of those times were in the church. Because I'm here to tell you right now, a church without the power of the Holy Spirit actively working. Amen is vulnerable to the invasion of the enemy. Man, I feel like preaching this morning. If we ever needed the power of the Holy Ghost, it's in the dark days that we live today. Instead of embracing ungodliness, the church needs the power to drive out the devil and to stand against the attack of hell and to win the victory over all the power of darkness. Amen. Twice Jesus encounters the devil in the synagogues. Synagogues, you know, not everybody could make it to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, so they formed these synagogues in local areas, and they would go in, they would, uh, and they would worship God there, and so forth. And twice now in chapter number one, we see him address the devil 
in the synagogues. And four times in the first chapter, more than any other work, he'll heal Peter's mother-in-law of a fever. Praise God. Amen. He'll call some disciples. And it says there in another passage that that he'll heal those that come to him that are sick. Amen. But the overwhelming uh, focus is on Jesus' power over the devil. He has power over the devil today. And he gives the church power over the devil. (coughs) The one who baptizes, (coughs) excuse me, in the Holy Ghost has power over the devil. Think about how, how that Mark ties those together of all the things that he could say about Jesus. And, and other gospel writers do. And they, they call him the Lamb and they call him the Messiah and they show his lineage and, and they show his birth and all these things because of they have their purpose and their focus. But Mark has a focus and he has a purpose. Amen. So he identifies Jesus with one description. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Amen, church. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And then he proceeds to show what the Spirit-filled, Spirit-empowered Son of God does. Cast out devil. Defeats temptation. You don't have to give in. Amen. Cast out devils right out of the church house. Lord, help us to do it. Amen. Amen. Everywhere the devil showed up, Jesus drove the enemy down. How did he do it? Through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Church, it's not time, amen, to say we don't need it and it's certainly not time to say that's a day gone by if there was ever a day we need it we need the power of the Holy Ghost today in the church in every believer in every believer praise God just like there was an increase in demonic activity amen if not an increase in activity, but certainly an increase in the spotlight on the activity in the days of the Gospels. Amen. And I think that the reason why the Gospels highlights the activity of the devil is to show that Jesus has power over all the power of the enemy. Amen. Amen. In the last days, we also are going to see an increase in demonic activity. It says, Paul told Timothy in their day, and if so much so in their day, how much more in our day? Know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, you know what that says to me? That says to me in the house of God. Huh? Amen. That speaks to me just like even the day that Jesus came in and walked into the synagogue. There was a form of godliness. Amen. But they didn't have enough power to realize the devil was sitting in the seat right next to them. Amen. Amen. And they were sharing their own perspectives and and everybody was giving their own opinions and and different teachers to teach. But Jesus went in and he taught differently than the scribes did. And he went into the house of God and he had a different authority than they did. And they were giving opinions, but he came with the power and the authority and the unction. You know what happened? Amen. The power of God in the preaching of the word, it stirred up the devil. Glory to God. And all of a sudden the devil shouted out, hello somebody, shout. 
shouted out and tried to shout down the voice from heaven. But the power of God was greater in the house of God than the power of the devil. Today's not the day for the church to be silent. Today's not the day for the preacher to be silent through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let the church arise and let the church preach and let the church tell the goodness of God because we have the greater one on the inside of us. Amen. Glory to God. In the last days, as there is an increase uh, in Jesus' day, an increase in activity, Jesus demonstrated power over it. We see that increase in the world today. But look what the Bible says also in 1 Peter chapter, um, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You know what that speaks to me of? The church. The church. Amen. We're not, you know what, in the bar, they're not worried about doctrines. <laughs> right? Amen. In the world, they're not worried about doctrines and teachings. Talk about the church. Amen. They're going to be an increased activity of evil. And people are going to embrace all that things. But you know what else I read? The Bible says this, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Somebody say amen. Your sons and your daughters, listen, this generation is not gone. And it's not been captured by the devil. Our sons and our daughters are going to prophesy. Glory to God. Our handmaidens and our servants, they're going to prophesy. We're going to have visions and dreams. And I want you to know that day is upon us. We are in that last day when the devil raises his attack. The Spirit of God raises with it. Every time the devil's activity increases, there is a power of God. Amen. But the church needs to exercise it and walk in it in this last days. <clears throat> the church is facing this increased activity of demonic power. Therefore, we need the power of the Holy Ghost. Huh? I'm not talking about playing church here. I'm talking about real life. Amen. Real life. Amen. Because the devil is real. Yeah, there are some who have conscience seared. They deny the presence of the devil. They have some that, uh, uh, that, that, you know, it's one of the devil's tactics is to try to get us to deny that he even exists. And then on the other hand, we don't put an overabundance of, of time upon him either. We don't become infatuated with him either. We acknowledge who He is. We know who He is. And we know who we are. And we know the Spirit of God that is on the inside of us. Praise God. Amen. It's, <clears throat> I see symmetry between the Gospel of Mark and the church. Mark begins by recording Jesus' earthly ministry in defeating the devil in the wilderness. And then Mark ends Jesus' earthly ministry by defeating the devil at the cross. <laughs> then Mark ends his gospel by Jesus commanding his disciples to do the same thing that he did. 
Symmetry. Just as Jesus came and confronted the devil, listen to what he says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes are baptized, we shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow those that believe. What's the very first sign? In my name, they shall cast out devils. And they shall speak with new tongues. The very first two things. We always like to go to the bottom of the list. Because the last thing on the list says, and they shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Amen. Let me tell you something. That's the power of God and it's for the church. Amen. But just as Mark wanted to emphasize that Jesus had power over the devil. Amen. He emphasizes that Jesus gave that to the church to have power over the devil. We don't walk at the devil's uh, afraid of the devil. We don't walk uh, Uh, being chased around by the devil come on somebody we don't walk all the time worrying about the devil we don't have to because the greater one's on the inside of us amen he may raise his head amen but he does not have power over us amen what the church needs is to be filled and overflowing bubbling up running over with the holy ghost amen to have power in this last day you don't need to be afraid of the holy spirit you need to be filled with the holy spirit Amen. Mark chapter 16 follows the pattern of Jesus' ministry. It follows the pattern of Jesus' ministry. Amen. From his baptism to being an example to us preaching salvation and offering baptism. Amen. He preached repentance. We preach repentance. He cast out devils and healed the sick. We're to cast out devils and heal the sick. Amen. Praise God. Mark introduces Jesus as the servant of God doing miracles and signs and wonders. Amen. That Jesus is the God, is the one who had the spirit without measure. Praise God. And that he's the one that baptizes the church in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And we are told in the Bible, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's what the church needs today. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The world stereotypes, they mock and make fun of the Spirit-filled movement. So be it. Amen. Even other churches mock and make fun of the Spirit-filled movement. So be it. Amen. We're not trying to be crazy and we're not trying to be lunatics. Amen. There's a real power from God. There's a real power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about those that are goofy. I'm not talking about those that don't know what they're talking about. But those that know their God and are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. They don't have to act goofy. They walk in anointing and they walk in a power and they walk in an and you never know when you're going to walk into the devil but I've been there and I've been in the room and I'm here to tell you amen the devil's no match for my God and the devil's no match for the name of Jesus amen and with faith and the power of the Holy Spirit we can drive him out amen And if there's ever a day we need the Holy Ghost to take over the church, it's this day. If there's ever a day we need Jesus to walk in the church and watch the devil walk out, it's this day. If there's ever a time that we need to be introduced to Jesus, the baptizer in the Holy Ghost, it is this day that we live in. Praise God. Introducing Jesus. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Lord, fill this church with your spirit. Lord, fill the people with your Holy Spirit. Come on, help me pray, would you, Lord? Baptize this church with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Lord, fill believers with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray. Hallelujah. God, I pray. Lord, empower your church. Lord, we don't want to embrace false doctrine. We don't want to embrace the work of the enemy, Lord. Lord, we want to be holy. We want to be righteous. We want to be the light of the world, the church of Jesus Christ. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Come on, stand with me all over the house, would you? Lift your hands. Come on, ask God for the Holy Spirit. Right where you're at, come on, stir it up inside. Stir it up. God, we pray for the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray for the power of the Holy Spirit.